This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio. This is the place where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. If you were to ask people to name their biggest fears, you'd like to get a list that included spiders, snakes, sad clowns, and, surprise, surprise, public speaking. That's right. Put a microphone in front of most people, and you're likely to get a blah, 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 than anything sounding remotely coherent. And why is that? What makes people who react relatively intelligently in other areas of their lives turn into blathering idiots when it comes to speaking in front of a group? That's what we're going to discuss today with communications coach Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is the creator of the YouTube channel Master Talk, and his goal is to make everyone world-class communicators. Welcome to Dream Power Radio, Brendan. The honor and pleasure is absolutely mine, Debbie. Really appreciate it. Well, Brendan, why do most people hate the idea of public speaking? You know, when I got asked that question a few years ago, I didn't have a good answer. Somebody said, you know, where does the fear of communication come from, Brendan? I looked at him and I said, I don't know, San Diego, London. But over time, thankfully, I have a better answer for you, Debbie. It's the education system. The reason why most of us are fearful is because all of the memories that we have around communication are negative. Think about it. High school, elementary school, all of those presentations, Debbie, have three things in common. Number one, they're all mandatory. We don't wake up and say, hey, Debbie, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is all of them are different. So it's never, Debbie, Brendan, what are you too passionate about? Dreaming, goal setting. Yeah, you got to give presentations on Shakespearean poetry. So that's not going to help motivation. And then number three, all of those presentations, Debbie, are tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, you lose 20% of your grade. So what's the punchline? We grew up believing that communication is a chore and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. You know, I never really thought of it that way, but it does, does make, makes a lot of sense when you say it that way. So what should educators do differently? Great, great question, Debbie. What should educators do differently? So I actually spend 5% of my time coaching kids, and that's to actually answer that question more effectively. And what I have come up with is a few strategies that will work really well for both parents and educators. So let's start with parents because that's the easy thing that people can do with their kids. The biggest piece of advice I have is whenever your kid or your child comes up to you and asks for something, whether it's something small like a candy bar or a big ass like a dog that you have to take care of because the kid probably won't, Ask them to create a presentation defending why they want the thing. So two things will happen. 90% of the time, they'll just not ask for the thing again and give up on it, which saves you money. So there you go. You just made some money from listening to this show. And the other piece is they'll actually create the presentation. You'd be surprised. I had a few of these students do that. So that's one piece for parents. Easy tidbit. 
For educators, what I'll say is the focus, because I think it's hard to implement in the system, but you can do this outside of the system, which is simply have them present a topic that they get to choose, which creates ownership. That's number one. Second is only make them do one presentation. I think it's crazy that in the education system, we foster 12, 14, 60-year-old kids to do like eight presentations at the same time in history and French, and the list goes on. And the third piece, which is counterintuitive, is give the feedback last. Have the kids give feedback to each other first, even if they're not coaches, because it creates ownership with each other and they get excited to knock out the goal. Hey, that's really fascinating. And it probably also instills confidence in them also. Correct. Because they become the teachers. And then they become master communicators. And then we don't need people like you at all anymore, right? <laughs> that's the goal, really. My hope anyways. But unfortunately for us, fortunately for you, most adults are having problems when it comes to communicating. And this is especially true for a lot of people who listen to the show who are entrepreneurs who have to sell themselves and, and get out there. And one of the ways that I know when I first started my own business, I was taught to do this was to create an elevator speech. Is this something that you coach people on? So here's my perspective on this, Debbie. I think an elevator speech does make sense, but what I do think makes makes more sense is the sales pitch. So in the sense of not really the what do you do, I think it's more important to talk about who you are, what you're passionate about, and why you're passionate about that thing. But then the other piece is the sales presentation, which is mostly to your prospect. So I'd encourage people to start thinking about who is their ICP, their ideal client profile, and then create a presentation for that specific person versus just a generalized presentation for everybody. Okay, well, I want to get back to the, to the actual subject of the elevator speech because I'm talking about in terms of when you're in – a, let's say a networking group, and you've got 30 seconds to sell yourself. That's what I'm talking about here. Uh, I got you. That makes sense. Thanks for that clarification, Debbie. So in that case, what I would say is, yes, absolutely. And my advice for that 30 seconds is one, write it out. Write it out in full because you don't have a lot of time. And for me, especially with those types of presentations or like a TED Talk where the time is very limited, you can't go over a certain amount of minutes, I consider each second like a drop of water, a drop of water that you haven't had in a week. So if you're really thirsty and you haven't had water in a week, if, even if there was like tiny droplets left in the class, you'd probably use your tongue to just take all those droplets out. And I want us to have that same level of obsessiveness of detail with the elevator pitch. And usually for me, the ideal pitch at a networking event involves those three questions, who you are, what you're passionate about, and why you're passionate about that. And I'm happy to show what my, what my elevator pitch of that will help the audience. Sure. I love examples. And I think that's a perfect way sure. to do it. Sure. So, so for me, mine sounds something like this, and it's not perfect, right? It's a messy journey. It's simply this. Hi, everyone. My name is Brendan Kumarasamy. I'm the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel that I started to help the world master the art of communication, public speaking. And I also have a coaching practice for ambitious executives and leaders. But more importantly, I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford me. So my duty is to help her. That's it. Okay. Well, let's get into that. Why is that an effective speech? I think for me, Debbie, and every coach will have their own opinions, but for me, it's always about the person, not the product. Because at the end of the day, if, the, if you like the person, 
not you in particular, but people in general, if we like the person, we'll generally be open to anything that they're selling. And that's what we see with influencer marketing. Like, it doesn't matter what Dwayne Johnson is selling. He could be selling paper towels. People could say, yes, I mean, we trust his brand and who he is. So the focus for me in an elevator pitch is never to talk about what I do most of the time. It's really important to talk about why I do it and why it's important to me so people feel an attraction towards me. And then we can have the longer nuanced conversation after. Okay. And you mentioned the word I think is important also, which is trust. If you can create that trust, that really goes a long way to uh, getting people to like you and then want to partner with you. Absolutely. It's the most important currency in our life, whether it's in business, relationships, health. If we trust somebody, we'll do anything for them. Okay. When it comes to public speaking in general, though, what do most people get wrong? Absolutely, Debbie. I would say what most people get wrong when it comes to communication and it's a bit counterintuitive and, and it lies really well in the context of your show, is they don't dream about it. You know, we dream about the expensive things we want to buy, the vacations we want to go on. When was the last time we dreamed about a world in which we're a great communicator in it? And that's why the question I always pose is a simple one. And it's this, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? So much of communication is tied to negativity, stress, and anxiety. So when we go to that skill with that energy, we see it like a chore, like we were learned and conditioned to think of it. But if we focus on more of, wait a second, huh, if I got better at communication, maybe my wife wouldn't yell at me as much or opposite, right? Maybe my husband wouldn't yell at me as much. Or I could order food at a restaurant and really make that waiter feel like they're having a great day because I'm sure they got a lot of terrible customers that night. Or making new friends when we travel. Communication is about leading a more fulfilling life. And once we understand that, we'll get more excited about it. And does it matter in terms of whether you're becoming a better communicator in your personal life or to do it for your business? For me personally, I, I think communication is equally important across all fields because, because personal is business, right? And, and, and what I mean by that is the people that you're doing business with, ideally, if you want to lead a fulfilling life, you like them. You like, you like hanging out with them. You like spending time with them. And the way that you manage your family is also the way that you manage your relationships in business in some extent. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean here. If you're able to set healthy boundaries with your family, you'll do that with your clients too. You'll do it with the people around you. If you're patient with your family, you'll be more patient when some, some clients go cuckoo on you or something crazy happens at work. So that mental state will be the same. So the way that I teach it, it's more of what are you the most excited about? And for everyone, it's different. Debbie, for some, it's, hey, I want to grow my business. For somebody else, it's, I want to get my next job promotion. But a third one could easily is be, I want to be a better mother for my children. And then we focus on that outcome, and then we coach them to achieve that. Okay, so how do we become better communicators? Give me uh, some, a couple of tips on what we could do to do that. Absolutely, Debbie. So for me, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. Where one of those body language, one of them is storytelling, one of those eye contact. So it can get really confusing. So to keep this simple for today, I call this my easy threes. What are the three easiest balls that we can juggle and practice on a consistent basis that I guarantee you will amplify your communication skills? So let's go through them. Number one is the random word exercise. All you have to do is pick a random word like teacup, like mug, 
like tissue paper and create random presentations out of thin air. Why is this effective? The reason it's effective, Debbie, is because if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So I always recommend doing this in the shower because we all got 10 minutes there every day. Hopefully everyone showers every day. That's my hope. And the other piece is when you're in a car, If you, for those of you who have kids who are listening to this or young nieces and nephews, you could do that with them as well. And you'll find out really quickly that the kids are a lot better at it than we are. So that's exercise number one of three. Okay. Well, tell me about this. How do you make a presentation out of teacup? Absolutely. So why don't you throw me a word, Debbie? Do you want me to do teacup? Do teacup, or sure. Do- Okay, absolutely. So for those of you listening to this podcast, Debbie did not give me the word teacup prior to this conversation. So I'm literally inventing on the fly. So here I go. It's a beautiful, beautiful Monday morning. And I start my day always, and you might think, with meditation, Brendan, by writing down what I'm grateful for, by talking about my affirmations. Unfortunately, I'm not as perfect as many of you listening to the show. I actually start my day with a cup of tea. Not necessarily a teacup, because I'm not that fancy, but usually a cup of tea. Why? Because it soothes the mind. It allows me to go about my day with calmness and peace. And it also reminds me to smell the roses. And I don't mean the roses in my garden, because I don't have any roses in my garden, Debbie. But really the simplicity that life has to offer. So many of us are focused on the expensive things and are like the Rolex watches, the expensive cars, but we don't focus on what brings us an equal amount of joy, which is just a cup of tea or a teacup if you're a bit fancier. So enjoy the little things in life is my point. Oh, that's, that's, that's brilliant. But let me ask you this, who is new with this and just learning how to be an effective speaker, you throw a word at them. Can they do that on the fly or does it really take time to develop it? Right. So a couple of things, Debbie. I'm glad you asked that question. So the first thing that I'll say is, and this, I tell people this all the time, you don't get points on how well you do the exercise. You get points on how many times you do it. I've done the exercise 3,000 times. That's why I'm able to do it this way. So the first time you get teacup, you might go, teacup is, uh, I think it's like a, like a cup and there's a tea. So you're not actually that great at it. But what will happen is you'll build momentum because it only takes one minute to do the exercise. Imagine if you did this five times a day, five minutes a day. If you do that for a month, you'll have done the exercise 150 times. And the same way I'd love for you to talk about as well, Debbie, when you started the show versus where it is today, I'm sure there's a big difference. You're probably a lot better than you started, right? So I think that's the key. Oh, absolutely. And I think it it makes that old cliche, practice makes perfect, <laughs> come true. Absolutely. Uh, on, on that note, we are going to take a short break. We are speaking about public speaking and communication with communication coach, Brendan Kumarasamy, and we'll be right back. If you're not pleased with the trajectory of your life, the time to begin your own personal transformation is now, and your dreams can help pave the way. How? By tapping into your unvoiced confidence. What is unvoiced confidence, you say? It's acceptance of your abilities and qualities. It's a state of mind coming from liking and even loving yourself, and feeling free to say or do anything you want without concern for the judgment of others. You were born confident, but may have had it chipped away little by little by the negative self-beliefs you've picked up over the years. 
If you're looking for the heightened energy, clarity of thought, and the feeling of being more alive that comes from self-confidence, you can rediscover it by paying attention to your dreams. Need some help doing this? Go to my website, thedreamcoach.net, and sign up for my complimentary dream discovery session. I can help show you how your dreams can help you return to the confident person you were always meant to be. Again, go to thedreamcoach.net, thedreamcoach.net. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman, and we're talking about communication with Brendan Kumarasamy. Well, Brendan, you said that you started a YouTube channel called Master Talk. What is Master Talk? Absolutely, Debbie. So Master Talk is both a YouTube channel and a coaching practice. So a few years ago when I was in university, I went to college for business school. I had the idea for Master Talk because I used to compete in these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing basketball or baseball, I wasn't one of those guys. So I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak and coach other people, primarily students in that program, on how to communicate ideas effectively. But then when I was around 21 or 22, I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized that everything that I was sharing with them wasn't really available for free online. So I just started making videos and it turned into something I never could have imagined. So your idea was to give back and to help people who, like you said, are not the Elon Musk who can afford, you know, millions of dollars to do this. You got it. But but it's also worth emphasizing. It's not because I'm some philanthropist. I was I was doing really well financially already. That's why I saw Master Talk initially as a hobby because I was doing really well at IBM. I had a great career there before I went full time on this. So a lot of the money I would make from my corporate job, I would just put it back in the channel because I thought it was fun. And then I started developing a business around it that I never thought I could, to be honest. And here we are today. Okay. Before the break, we were talking about three things to do to become communicators. You talked about picking a word and making a presentation out of it. So what else could we do? Absolutely, Debbie. So you're right. The first one is the random word exercise. And now let's go through the other two. The second one is an exercise I teach called question drills. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Debbie on a podcast, at work, at school, from our family. But most of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. So we wait for the question to appear and we go kind of like the same way a few years ago, I got caught off guard when I started podcasting, where somebody asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I didn't really have a good answer for it. And that's okay. So how do we be more proactive? So every single day what I did, Debbie, is for five minutes, that's all. I asked myself one question that I thought the world would ask me about communication. So day one might be, what tips do you have for introverts? Day two might be, how do we overcome the fear of communication? So I just did that every day for five minutes. But the punchline, Debbie, is if you can do this for a year, which is actually not that hard, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be bulletproof. That is amazing. It's something that I probably wouldn't have thought about, and I think maybe I'll start doing that myself. Well, you're pretty good, so you probably don't have to do this. But for somebody listening, getting started, definitely. Oh, there's always room for improvement, both with me. Yeah. So what what's the third tip you talked about? Absolutely, Debbie. So the third tip is so simple that nobody does it, and it's simply this: make a list 
of five to 10 people in your life that you really care about and ask yourself a simple question. It could be your mom, your brother, your kids, clients that you adore. And the question is, when was the last time that we sent these people that pour into us a 20 second, not a 20 minute, not a 20 hour, but a 20 second video message just saying, hey, I really appreciate having you in my life. Thank you for the incredible work that you're doing and the human being that you are. And what I love about video messages is A, it makes people's day and B, it helps us communicate effectively and consistently on a day-to-day basis. I do this all the time. I probably send like five to 10 video messages a week at the very minimum, and it really makes people's life. Again, another good tip. And it's so easy. Just stick a camera in front of you and hit record and boom, there it is. That's it. One of the things that I was taught when I was first interested in speaking in front of groups and doing some public speaking was imagine your audience naked. And you think that's not such a good idea. So tell me about that. (laughs) Absolutely, Debbie. I mean, that's actually one of the reasons I actually owe my career to that piece of feedback because I heard it and I said, this makes absolutely no sense. I was, I was a little bit angrier back then, a little bit calmed down now. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's let's break that logic right now. What if they're attractive? Then what? Like, do you just stare at them? for like the, and, and You'll just get arrested, right? So, so the point is, yes, don't do that. <laughs> so when you are, for the first time, called on to do a speech in front of an audience, how do you get rid of that fear? And the answer to that question, Debbie, is you don't. The fear will always be there. It'll just be at a different level. So for example, when I started guesting on podcasts, I had a massive fear. Because remember, I was 22, 23 years old at the time. I'm a little bit more mature now. But back then, I was like, oh my God, why somebody has me on a podcast? I was like, what am I supposed to do? I was literally using a phone back then. I didn't even know you're supposed to have a headset. And then it doesn't cause me any anxiety. But if me and you are having lunch, Debbie... And somebody calls me and it's Elon Musk today. And he says, hey, Brian, I like your YouTube channel, man. Can you coach me tomorrow? I'll pay you a million bucks. Would I pee my pants? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I don't want us to try and remove the fear. I think that's a bad expectation to have. I think the, the better outcome, the better solution is think of it like a relationship that we're managing, like a boxing match. So one side of the ring will be the fear, the anxiety, the stress we might feel. And the other side of that boxing ring, Debbie, is the message. Why is it important for us to share this idea with the world? And the goal is never to remove the fear, but rather make sure that when that bell rings and your message and your fear meet in the middle of that boxing match, that your message wins the match, that your message gets the knockout punch. I had every excuse not to start mass talk. I was a 22-year-old kid in my mother's basement who has a crooked left arm, who spoke his whole life in a second language, French, and, not or, and has a bachelor's degree in a field that has nothing to do with communication, which is accounting. Who in the world was I to think I could do this? So why did I? I did it for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. And getting back to speaking, uh, again, it goes back to the preparation. If, if you've got your, your idea set, you know what you're going to say, that also that helps alleviate that fear. Because you said, you know, you can concentrate on the message and not on the fear and get it out that way. Is being an effective public speaker just about your voice and your message or is your appearance count too? 
Hmm, interesting question. I, I definitely think voice of the message for sure matters. In terms of appearance, it'll depend on what. So what do I mean here? I would say it depends on the context of the environment you're in and the appearance of that environment. Example, let's say you're at a suit and tie event, really fancy gala, and you're giving a speech and you've got a hoodie on. The context doesn't match or the appearance doesn't match the context of the environment you're presenting in. Whereas in other situations, it, the context will align. So if you're at a startup event and you're talking to tech CEOs, but they're all wearing hoodies and you got one on too, then it's totally fine. So the appearance will always be dictated on the in the environment you're in. So I know podcasts are a lot more casual, so I don't need to put a suit on. Whereas on my YouTube videos, I like putting a suit on. So it's always about the context of the environment, I would say. Gotcha. Can I pick your brain for a second? Please. I have a bad habit of saying, mm, a lot when I speak. Do you have any tips on how to stop doing this? So uh, let me start with this. You're awfully humble, Debbie, because I didn't really hear that many ums personally when, I was, when we were having this conversation. So so I love that you asked that for the for the benefit of the audience. I would say, let's begin by understanding where they come from and why we say them. So the reason is actually really simple if you think about this, Debbie. The reason we say filler words is because we forget what we want to say next. So let's say you ask me a question, and I used to do this all the time. You'd say, okay, Brendan, uh, what's your advice to overcome the fear? And I would look at you and go, uh, 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 yeah, so there. So I'm using the ums and ahs to buy time. That's why most of us say filler words. So now the next question becomes, what do exceptional communicators do differently? Because they're not smarter than us. They can't just think on their feet as quickly sometimes anyways. They, they have to spend time pausing and thinking about this, which is the point, is that they replace the ums and ahs with pausing. So instead of going, uh, uh, great question, Debbie, they just do this. Right, Debbie, absolutely. And then they answer the question. Study so practice this. Not easy, like my easy threes, but the way that you do this is you practice an exercise I teach called the endless gaze. Take somebody that you love and stare at them for three minutes. And let's see if you can do it. Because if you can do three minutes, you can do three seconds on a stage. Mm, okay. It's something I will try out. Uh, you may not hear it, but I, there are ums here. I have to admit that. Full disclosure. Do you have a final thought you'd like to leave for our audience? Absolutely, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a great, 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 great episode. I'll end with a question in the context of your show. And, and I got this from a guy named Devon Bandison, and I thought it was really effective. It, it, he said it more as a statement, but I'll say it more as a question. And the question is simply this. What is a dream or a goal that you've secretly given up on in your life that you stopped telling other people? And I would encourage all of you to start thinking about that question. What's a dream or a goal that you secretly gave up on without telling anybody? Because if you really spend a few minutes thinking about that question, you'll start to see visions of what's possible for your life that you didn't see before. I never thought, I would, if you had told me at 19 that I was going to get my dream job and then quit my dream job, cut my salary by 70% to pursue master, I would have thought you had a mental illness. But because I always asked myself that question in different forms in my life, I always prioritized my purpose versus anything else. And I encourage all of us to do the same. Okay. And finally, how can people find out more about you and your work? Absolutely, Debbie. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos. And the second one is I do a free workshop on effective communication over Zoom. 
every three weeks. It's live. It's interactive. It's not some boring webinar. And I facilitate the call. So if you want to join it, it's rockstarcommunicator.com. Wonderful. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. Pleasure was mine, Debbie. Hey, we've been speaking with communications coach Brendan Kumarasamy. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. If so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next time, this is Debbie Spector-Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.